Mabuhai. I'm Jamie Panetta, and this is the Decolonizing Medicine Podcast. I am a queer, non-binary trans person, and my ancestors are Tagalog and Chinoy. My healing arts practice is located at Fruit Camp in Baltimore, Maryland. My guest for this episode is Dr. Justina Camille Grayman. Justina is an artist who studies practices and processes for designing beautiful spaces of deep connection, home, and family. With a BA in psychology from Stanford and a PhD in psychology and social intervention from NYU, Justina's studies have always centered on understanding how we communicate with each other in ways that build power, connect, and mobilize us. Justina is currently developing Raw Movement. Raw Movement provides tools, resources, and research labs for dancer, choreographer, artist leaders to explore and practice co-designing spaces of deep connection, home, and family. Welcome to the Decolonizing Medicine Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing okay. A little tired at the moment, but happy to be here. Yeah, happy to finally talk with you on the show. Um, I feel like I always encounter you through uh, Clorinda's matriarchal business stuff, and you always have super insightful things to say, and I'm like, I want to continue this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. So... Yeah, so I'm just really glad to have this space with you. So I want to ask, I want to start off with like um, just a quick introduction. Uh, have you just quickly introduced yourself and your work, um, and just share share a little bit more about like what your projects look like right now? Sure. <laughs> um, I forgot this is where you ask questions about me. <laughs> Introduce myself. Uh, my name is Justina. I identify as an artist, uh, and um, I make art. And one of my main projects right now is called Raw Movement, and it's a whole big thing. It's an organization. It's a system but it's bringing people together to co-create spaces of deep connection, home, family. I'm all about the family vibes um, and all about discovering how we come together and connect (laughs) and um, all of the messiness that's involved in that. Yes. Thank you. So, I saw this quote on your website a while ago, and it just, I just thought it was so interesting. Um, And it says, I long to make the darkness beautiful. I have felt myself floating in the unknown, the space, the darkness tormented. It has only been the touch of a hand that has released me from that terror. Connection has saved me and it has been divine. And I'm curious um, where you are now in relation to that statement. Yeah. I Jamie, I read that question when you sent it a million years ago. 
And I was like, hmm. <laughs> let, me, uh, let me put that up. I, don't, I have no idea. Um, so I'm just going <laughs> to talk for a second and then maybe something will come out. But um, I don't know. It's still true. I mean, it's still like, <laughs> yes, that's a fact. Um, I... I I have I have an obs- obsession, a strong inclination towards the darkness and the beauty of darkness and the beauty of tragedy and the beauty of suffering and um not in an indulgent masochistic way but um in just a wow that is so crazy. It's so absurd. This, this life is so weird. Um, and in terms of that, I think my mind automatically goes, when you ask the question, it automatically goes to like this conversation that at least social media is having or like mainstream psychology practitioners are having about trauma healing. But then my brain doesn't really want to go in that direction, you know? Um, so I'm trying to like follow my own thought pattern rather than the mainstream thought pattern of how much of your trauma have you healed, you know? Um, so I think for me, I would say that it's like I'm right now I'm having a conversation with myself about the conversation I'm having, like what I think that script that you're supposed to say as a person who is an adult and who is in service of other people is, and yes, I've healed all of my trauma and now I'm here to help you heal your trauma. <laughs> and um, I'm very aware of that um, script that there is. And yeah, um, that script does not make sense to me. Yeah, that uh, and that's the conversation I'm having in my head rather than like, what does it really bring up for me? It doesn't really bring anything up that that quote. I think it's just like, yeah, that's beautiful. Like that's yeah, connection has saved me and it has been divine and I've been terrified a lot and that's so true. Yeah, (laughs) it's just true. It it it, it's like I love that the statement is beautiful (laughs) and it's about um the beauty of human connection and that it's so extreme. The statement is so extreme and it makes me realize how extreme my emotions <laughs> have always been. And it's, and it's, um, I love it. I, I think that's how I feel right now. I love it. I love that. That is, um, that the statement is true. <laughs> I love that connection exists and, um, that I've settled. I increasingly settle more into being deeply connected to myself and to other people and to whatever my purpose is and whatever unknowns there are. Um, And perhaps that allows me to be with that statement and not have it be like, oh my God, like I've been terrified, (laughs) you know, because I definitely was um, more like that before. Um, But I would actually say that mainstream psychology made me more like that like oh my god okay like I have this trauma that and people would say that I have this you know diagnosis and and um but before I was just like yeah I I was terrified (laughs) or I completely froze or you know but it was just like whatever you know um 
it, it was normal. And I, I think that the statement is for me is um, a normalization and that's what raw movement is. And that's how I am in the world. Just like, yeah, death happens. Yeah. Like, you know, I was, I was just thinking to myself, I always have a conversation in my head before I have a conversation about the conversation I'm going to have. And I was thinking, you know, most of my life I'm pretty neutral. Like I don't have a, um, not that I don't have an emotion about it. It's just that I'm just observing. And that's, that's what I feel the statement. I've talked so long about this. statement. I'm done. Oh no, that's totally great. Um, there were two things that you said that I want to circle back to. And then w- the first one is, um, the, I guess, stereotype or the expectation that if you're doing healing work, a holding healing space for people, for others, that your trauma has to be healed. And I just like, I, yeah, I, that, that expectation, it bothers me. Yeah. It bothers me because it, it assumes that like, trauma is like this linear thing that happened in the past um and that you you like you have a trauma and then you heal it and then you're fine fine. everything's fine right like that is that when has that ever been true you know like our trauma is like they stick they stick with us even if we have done healing um they're like part of us they inform how we interact with the world and not that I wish for people to be traumatized, but like it has also given me, my own trauma has also given me lived experiences that um, have made me more sensitive and more informed as a healer and continue to, right? Like it's like, it's, it's, it's always there. And if you're from like a marginalized, uh, if you have marginalized overlapping identities, I feel like, that there is always traumatic stuff happening around you. And so it's not so simple as like, you're just, you're cleansed, you're pure. Yeah. Those things happen, the healing for yourself and for others often happen concurrently. Yeah. There is an obsession with purity and becoming clean or, um, yeah, becoming like wiping all the dirt off of you you know, like wiping so hard, like scrubbing so hard that it's like, it becomes, it becomes um, crazed, you know, like you're scrubbing the dirt off, but then it's like, you're giving your, you're like giving yourself bruises and you see blood, but you're still going, you know? Um, so. Can I just have a TMI moment right now? I like, the first thing that popped into my head when you said that was like wiping your butt so hard that you like get raw. Oh my God. <laughs> I I, I mean I literally my job is literally talking about poops and periods all the time (laughs) so I have like no I have no filter when it comes to that stuff I'm like we're talking about poop now right (laughs) I love it yeah a brace of wiping get a bidet it's worth it (laughs) Day. that's when i know i'll i'll have reached the pinnacle of just my life when i have a bidet that is i will have made it what? when i have a bidet 
I um, had like a cheap bidet that was like twenty dollars. Oh really? I feel like in yeah. my mind it's so expensive and like luxurious. No, it, I don't have like those like fancy Japanese robot toilets, but I have like a, a bidet attachment that you just um you just hook up to your toilet. Oh, okay. This is accessible. Yeah. It it is so much more accessible. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like very not handy and I was able to figure out how to put it on there. So Okay. Just throwing it out there that your dreams would come true a lot sooner than you were expecting. <laughs> that's true. That's that's always true. And this is an optimistic moment brought to you. Exactly. No more sad poops. <laughs> wow. Um, wait, what? I really like that tangent. Um, now I can't remember what was what we were talking about. I was going to say, like, a, there was, like, a second thing that I was going to point out that was really deep, but um, my brain just let go of it and prioritized bidets. So <laughs> I'm going to move move on and ask you a different question. Oh, well, um, you the first point was about um, assuming that trauma needs to be healed. And I want to actually jump back because it's something I think about a lot when I'm being annoyed at um, social media. <laughs> And the conversation on social media and um and that's like the assumption that trauma is separate from you or like trauma and I'm not talking about like after the integration phase, you know, trauma healing, like there's supposedly these stages of trauma healing and then you arrive at integration where it's a part of you. Um I'm not even talking about that. I'm just talking about the experience of trauma itself. Like the fact that trauma has a name. And it's not just like life, <laughs> like the the fact that it's um, it's viewed as an obstacle and not as an inherent part of existing as a human being where there are other human beings. And it's just normal. <laughs> it's just normal. And it's, and for me in my personal life experience, it is not, um, I've learned that it has not been, I hesitate to say this, it has not been an obstacle. Like it, it, all the traumas I've experienced have shown me who I was already born as. Um, my uncle, my cousin actually, um, told me on the phone recently, when you were a kid, the vacuum cleaner would come on and you would immediately start running and screaming <laughs> for anybody to come and hold you, you know, you needed comfort. Um... I was always that way. I was always that way. It was only a matter of time that something was going to happen. It could have been a myriad of things, but something was going to happen that um, disrupted my sensitive nervous system in a way that was predictable. You know, the more that I just casually look at astrology and numerology and whatever, it all just says how you're going to develop, how you're going to develop and, um, what challenges you'll have and all of that. And there was never a scenario where I was not going to be someone who 
is very reactive to fearful circumstances. Not everybody runs when a loud vacuum cleaner comes on. Not everyone goes to stay with their parents for two years during a global pandemic. You know, like it's not necessarily the pandemic that is traumatizing me. Um, it's the reaction between the individual and their environment always. And I think that the conversation around trauma healing is as if trauma is something that should have never happened. And it's just kind of like a, um, a pick your poison kind of situation. It was always going to be something. It just happened to be, oh, it was your father doing this or your mother doing this or your, you know, and that's been my life experience. Um, but whatever, it could be completely off base. So is it, so for you, it sounds like it's more, it's less about the traumatic event, but more about your, how you're wired to interact with the world. Is that right? Is that close um, to yeah, I think that the way that we react to the circumstances of our lives says something about who we are because people can experience the exact same event and they all experience it differently. They all come to different conclusions. It all uh, impacts their nervous system differently. You know, it says something about where you are already vulnerable, where you are, where, where you're easily um socialized or impacted or influenced um and it differentiates people i think our environments trauma suffering whatever differentiates people based on who they were in the who they already were <laughs> um i don't know if i'm what i'm saying is making sense but mm -hmm. it's, um, how just, has your how has this relationship with with trauma um with your your relationship with trauma how has that impacted how you um co-create spaces with folks for connection um for movement i'm curious about that hmm that's a good question <laughs> I kind of wonder what your answer to the question is. Maybe that will help me think about the question. Um, I think like my, I would... yeah, oh, go ahead, go ahead. yeah, you go so that I can, I can go off of what you say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so how I would answer that is it, I like, for me, like a lot of, not a lot, some of my trauma has been um, interacting with medical systems that are oriented towards cis-het normative standards. And so by default, it becomes transphobic or queerphobic. Mm. Um, and so as, a, as someone who does healing work, like those experiences inform how I create safety for my patients and also for me. And it's, it's from like an infrastructure level 
with like filling out when people are filling out forms like how am i asking those questions about their health history um, in a way that is like respectful and uh, affirming of their identities and then also like for me like as a practitioner like who who am i cultivating as like the community that i want to work with like i'm not going to want to work with people who are um gonna be like racist towards me or who are gonna be really transphobic like i'm gonna like design my marketing and my outreach towards people who are going to be affirming of my identity as well um and who are going to be a safe who are going to be safe for me to work with so that's how how some of my trauma has um shaped my work um what else oh yeah like trauma from just being uh severely burnt out from working in toxic environments has also shaped how i work like i don't want to grind i don't want to to work in a way that is like hurting my health you know like it's not just about like how how much money can i make it's also like how can i live and work in a way that doesn't require me to have all of these coping mechanisms that doesn't require me to constantly um need healing beyond you know basic maintenance yeah that uh that was an excellent response jamie and (laughs) Um, (laughs) i'm like impressed i'm like bravo Well thought out. I could not have come up with um, such a well-rounded answer. Um, <laughs> thank you. This is why I love conversations. It's, it's like, like that or toilet humor, and I don't have a lot in between. <laughs> no, I agree with you. Um, not agree, but uh, the way in which my um, experiences and suffering has informed raw movement and just life is very aligned with what you said in terms of um, who I like to work with. (laughs) Um, And I kind of, I call myself a mystified child. And that is, you know, the deeply sensitive, like, I I don't even want to qualify it, but mystified human beings. and I think recognizing that out of um, mainly religious trauma that I experienced, um, I wouldn't have known <laughs> that I felt this sort of existential, uh, spiritual in quotes, connection or whatever, had I not been traumatized at a young age by all this religious stuff. You know, I, I, I was a major... Um, it was a major arrow towards my, I hesitate to say wisdom, but my, just the way that I am in the world, which is mystified. And, Mm. um, so who I work with, um, how I see myself being oriented in the world, um, and also 
my needs. And that's, and, and that's why I love trauma, Jamie, because. <laughs> wow. I love trauma. <laughs> if, uh, I I have always been a person who is extreme. <laughs> I'll take a I'll make a learning le- a learning lesson. Can I say that um, out of anything, and that includes um, obsessively researching my own experiences and what went wrong. <laughs> you know, like what happened? What happened to me? I used to walk around being like, "What happened to me in my childhood?" I thought I had a normal childhood. Um, and, you know, diving into all of this work and realizing, oh, like you have like a lot of emotional needs, like you have uh, an excessive amount of emotional needs, like uh, way beyond, like probably no parent could have met your emotional needs um, and learning the nuances of what I need in daily life. And that includes like a ton of space and freedom um, and not working a lot like like you mentioned so many times in my life I've been like I'm going insane you know and it's just like you're working too much I didn't know that you know I just I'm like you know I get obsessive about things and then I'm like ah um but when it's like when you don't make sense life feels like it's chaos (laughs) Um, and I feel like that's how the first first half of my life has been. It's like I I didn't understand myself. Everything was like ah, what is going on? Mm. Uh, and now I feel more chill because it's like oh yeah, that's that's why that happened. Oh that's okay. Just do this, you know. Um, I wrote this thing in in a I have this little vision binder in my room, and I just wanted to read it real quick because I I read this. I don't know, pretty often. And it it's something I wrote about the purpose of the purpose of my suffering. And I feel like it's resonant. It maybe it summarizes what I just said, but whatever. Repeating things is good. I love repeating things. Um, so I wrote the purpose of your suffering and stories of suffering to enable you to connect to others, to understand yourself, be aware of yourself, and learn the nature of life to become present to your individual and collective unmet needs and organize for them. That's really important to me because I, one thing I say about myself is that I am deep connection. So whatever I'm experiencing is a magnification or amplification of what is going on in the collective realm because I am deep connection. (laughs) So if I, instead of vastly personalizing all of my experiences, I zoom out and look at what it is that we need and my visions for my own future and what I want. That is a vision for the collective. Uh, To show you wisdom and truth and that the fear is never real. To show you who you really are. Only someone so sensitive and existentially connected could react how I did. Only someone already deeply connected, already questioning, open in awe. My suffering showed me the natural talents and gifts I was born with, being mystified by life, in awe of and accepting the unknown, being deeply connected to all people and seeing everyone as family. Suffering shows us who we really are, what is really true about life, and most of all, tells us what to do and what we need and want.
Wow, there's a lot there. There and is. Just, it yeah, felt resonant. I just wanted mm -hmm. to pop it in. Mm -hmm. I am thinking about how a lot of times when I'm talking to patients about pain um, that they might be experiencing, it's like changing that relationship to pain um, as something that is its data. It's like, what is this telling you about your body? What is this telling you about your experience? Um, like socially, financially, like if you are, are feeling a discomfort or you're suffering in, somehow, it's not just about that sensation. Like what else, what is the bigger thing that might be happening that we need to pay attention to? Mm. And that is like what you're saying, um, I feel like that connects to how I've, I've, uh, to how I relate to pain sometimes. Mm. Um, but I'm also seeing how you're just accepting this um, role as being a microcosm for the collective around you mm. and that they're, like you are separate sort of, but you're also like very, like you were saying deep connection. And I think that that is the most natural thing in the world. Yeah. Like, yeah. like we are, we are an ecosystem within ourselves, but then we're also all parts of an ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And it just, I'm like, yeah, of course. Like that is so logical. Like everything in nature functions that way too. Yeah. And, um, Unfortunately, the way that we're socialized in this culture and um, any individualistic cultures is that, um, yeah, that we are that we're that we are separate, and my individual experience has nothing to do with your individual experience, and we all have anxiety, and we're all depressed, and we're, there's there's something wrong with all of us, and it's like what <laughs> that doesn't make any sense, though, you know, it's like. It's, um... right like if we're all depressed and anxious something is wrong but not like on an individual level only yeah and that's why um i think that it's a. Uh... whenever people tell me what i'm doing is radical i'm like oh oh yeah i forgot <laughs> i forgot it just, it just makes sense to me it's just like yeah co-create spaces that meet people's needs like the thing is about meeting people's needs it's not about whatever there is no goal you know what i'm saying it's like it's it's um i don't know what i was gonna say but uh the <laughs> the tangent i was going on is is that we often don't get to this um way of thinking this paradigm of suffering being about information and data gathering about what to do because the current systems that be are systems that induce powerlessness so we automatically discount that a situation can be used for power or can be used to increase uh, quality quality of life help us uh, uh, achieve whatever we want to achieve like create more love you know people are just so 
um, hopeless about the prospect of love in their lives. And, um, and that's sad. <laughs> yeah. Words of wisdom. Yeah. gears a little bit um, and talk with you about our community shout out. So every episode we do a community shout out to uplift groups or individuals of the global majority, aka BIPOC, who are doing decolonizing work um, and just encourage listeners to redistribute resources to them and increase their visibility. And I'm curious who you would like to highlight for this episode. Um, well, you know Rue. Yeah. I was talking to Rue yesterday. So I, and Rue is um, the creator of Party Noodles. Um, Party Noodles on Instagram. And we're very aligned. And they are. You know, Party Noodles is about celebration of all parts of ourselves. And um, there's a playfulness about this, the celebra- celebratory um, parties that they host and informality that I love. And um, one of the things I've been reflecting on is that wise things seem dumb (laughs) and um and it's like oh it's playful and it's it's maybe childlike and but it it is so wise it's so like oh it just like just uh (laughs) like that groan it's just so substantive for me and um, I hope Rue doesn't find that to be an insult, <laughs> but um, it's it's the mo- it's the biggest compliment um, coming from me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I think that's all I'll say. But um, yeah, there's a radicalness to um, being free and celebrating and playful. So, like the wisdom of playfulness and silliness and doing things that don't make sense yeah it in a flowy just like take things as they come spontaneous type of way it's 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 called freedom it's (laughs) oh that what are you talking about (laughs) oh like uh (laughs) (laughs) yeah so that's my that's my shout out. Okay, I will I will tag you in the um, show notes so folks can click on their Instagram handle and read more about the work that they're doing. Justina, do you have any projects or events that you want to let us know about? 
um, how can folks connect with you and learn more about your work? Um, I feel like I kind of kind of said nothing about what <laughs> what I'm doing, but I said a lot uh, that is related to the underpinnings of what I'm doing. Um, but yeah, Instagram, my handle it's Justina Grayman. Um, and then my organization, let's call it for today, uh, Raw Movement is raw underscore movement or rawmovement.org. And um, wait, did I answer the question? How can people Yeah, follow? you're getting there. Oh, and what's coming up? Is that Am I supposed to answer that too? If you'd like, if there's like something that you want to promote, you can totally do that. Um, nothing concrete. Um, yeah, on Instagram or on the website, you can um, join the email list and be notified of labs and gatherings where it'll be pretty much movement somatic lover type people who want to come together and co-create spaces of deep connection virtually or um, in person things will be in new york city um and yeah i'm also starting to do consultations individual and organizational um for people who are dreaming of or creating leading spaces of deep connection home family and i use all of my trauma <laughs> and the trauma of my ancestors to um and all the things i've discovered about my own needs and um and you know my experience of building these spaces of deep connection to ask questions to people who are doing the same thing that um can help us in inquiring about deepening um, those spaces of emotional safety and connection and trust and love. Dare I say love? Dare I say love? Awesome. Thank you so much, Justina. I really enjoyed this conversation. Thanks, Jamie. are in the middle season of Chinese medicine, but water season, aka winter, is just around the corner. Our bodies are reflections of our geography, climate, emotions, and so much more. If you want to learn more about what the heck that means and tips on how to live in alignment with the seasons, you can check out my zine collection or sign up on Patreon to get access to the educational modules. I have two experimental offerings to share with my Patreon community. I'm trying out bonus podcast episodes, and these are going to be raw, unrefined, and unedited on Patreon. I'm aiming to have them out every new moon, which means the next one should be out on November 23rd. Do you struggle to keep up with routines that center your well-being and self-cultivation? This is certainly something that I experience. Sometimes those practices get deprioritized when I get sucked into capitalist habits, or sometimes I just forget. 
I've decided to approach this issue with curiosity and experimentation. In October, I started hosting a group devotional medicine space. It's a very casual combo of strategies from body doubling, parallel play, and co-working. For now, it's going to be weekly on Sundays at 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Zoom, and you can get access to it through patreon.com slash jamiepanettahealingarts. I'm not sure how long I'll run these experiments for. Um, we shall see, and I'll let you all know. And as a reminder, Patreon funds go towards captions for this podcast and to scholarships for Qigong classes that center queer, trans, Black, Indigenous people of the global majority. Maraming salamat for listening to the Decolonizing Medicine podcast. Music is by Amber Ojeda, Head Candy, and Rocky Marciano. Big thanks to Kuan McCann for audio engineering all of these episodes. Last but not least, thank you to all our listeners and supporters out there. Ingat! Ingat!